Support for the show comes from Atlassian. With a new story about AI coming out seemingly every day, it can be hard to know what it all means for you and your job. Atlassian thinks there's a lot to be excited about in the AI-powered future. Even right now, Atlassian's AI-powered software can help you boost productivity by eliminating menial tasks, generating insights, and helping you find information about projects, policies, and processes. No matter if you're a team of two or two million, or if you're around the corner or on another continent, Atlassian software keeps everyone connected and moving together as one towards shared goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. All right, what's going on? You're literally, you're still sick? Still what's sick. I was on my back for two different days, but I traveled in the in-between day and what? I got sicker. And so I was in bed all day yesterday with a beautiful view of San Francisco. But nonetheless, I'm still sick. Are you sick. in a Bay Area? Yeah, I'm in San Francisco, yeah. And what's it like, if you don't live there, people describe it as a hellscape, but I've heard it's not as bad as people say. It's not, it's bullshit. It's such crap. It's, yeah. I, I've told you that. Some of it is, yes, yeah, certain. There's more homelessness. Yeah. There's more issues with drugs, with fentanyl. Thank you very much, Thackler family. Um, but, you know, it's a, still a beautiful place. Yeah. Don't listen, to, don't listen to the Miami bro, bro scene. It's not true. It's not true. I love it here. I'd move here in a second if I could. Really? You want to yeah. go back? Yeah, very much. Hmm. I've lived in Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, and Florida. And... I'd say my least, I think San Francisco is the most beautiful city in the nation. Yeah. Uh, but it's the only place I would say I don't miss. I oh, really miss why? LA. I miss, I love New York. I love Florida. Um, why is that? You know, I don't know what it was. I, I enjoyed it. I had a great 10 years there. I absolutely adored going to Berkeley. Still very yeah. involved with Berkeley. Yeah. Um, uh, I got sick of the what I'll call the mono weather. I felt like it was a monoclimate. Oh, it was yeah. always between yeah. 60 and 70 degrees, 11 and a half months of the year. Outdoor dining yeah. is a near impossibility because the seven nights a year, it's warm enough. They're not ready for it. I'm yeah. all about the night. Uh, yeah. San Francisco is all about the day. You go mountain yeah. biking and mountain tam, yeah, and then you go out on the bay. I'm, yeah. I'm the great indoorsman. I like to drink yeah. late at night. There's not a, many places to do that in San Francisco. Also, the political climate in San Francisco, I thought it was... Just as I find people are very far right, hard to be around, I found that yeah. the political climate in San Francisco was kind of intolerant, even though I consider myself a progressive. So I was yeah. I was ready to leave. Yeah. Well, you know, it's some of that is true. Um, but it's so beautiful and it is beautiful. I really like I like the strangeness. I like the yep. it's like I don't know. I just I have a Tales from the City version of San Francisco in my head that never disappoints in a lot of ways from Armistead Mopin. I'm much more um a centrist also, and I find it uh, a little much, but it's changing. They were called the school board. I'm sorry, you describe yourself as a centrist? Here I am. What, a sure. Norway? I mean, <laughs> I'm yeah. not that liberal, Scott. I'm a oh, capitalist. God. 
Yeah, I am not. Yeah. I am not. I Liberals do not are like. capitalists. Anyways, yes, not not all of them for sure. I remember feeling when I was a. It's just so. It's so much about your context and your environment. When I was at UCLA in the eighties. I was considered a communist because I didn't like Ronald Reagan, and all my fraternity yeah. brothers were just horrified at me. And I, I was liked considered... Ronald Reagan. <sighs> I liked. I had a poster, "Good Morning in America" poster. I liked Ronald Reagan. Yeah, very likable guy. Terrible policies. And but anyways, um, and then and then um, and then I got to San Francisco, and you yeah. felt Republican. If you were, you just yeah. it's just so much about the environment you're in. Yeah, I often feel Republican here. It's funny. Although I would say I'm, I'm very liberal, but not as liberal as the people here. So that makes me centrist. In any case, uh, we'll, we're going to have a lot to talk about, speaking of, uh, of all kinds of controversies today. We'll talk about the troubles at Disney that keep going on. Some good news for Amazon. And we'll speak to actor Kelly O'Coin about playing Scott Galloway in the WeWork drama series, We Crash. Scott, people love it. So there you have it. Yeah, they, they're all, people are really enjoying it. You enjoyed it. There's even been some chatter online. You. But by the way, I didn't like, I, I think we should give you a shout out for your incredible appearance with Dustin Hoffman and John Voight in the 1969 film Midnight Cowboy, because you sound like Brenda Vaccaro right now. I know. How did your date with John Stewart go? It was great, except I sounded even more like Brenda Vaccaro. And he said, oh, I'm here with Brenda Vaccaro, and you're the, uh, mm -hmm. the second person who's mentioned it. So you have a lot in common with him. Anyway. Yeah, me and John Stewart. That's about well, where it ends. You're the only yeah. part that two guys that mentioned Brenda Vaccaro. You are you're from the same timeline. Anyway, let's I talk for some stuff, some impressive okay. news for crypto. Crypto apps had more than 100 million downloads in the last three months of 2021. Downloads grew by 400 percent in 2021, but downloads are dropping in 2022 after all those crypto ads in the Super Bowl. You know, more and more people. I think 18 percent of people have have some crypto in the United States. It's obviously going to be growing much higher to large amounts as people put uh, their assets in. Um, what, what, what thinks you of this? There's a lot of really exciting things about crypto. For the first time, people of color uh, index at the same rate yeah. of investment as, as white people. So it yeah. is incorporating people into mm -hmm. the investment ecosystem. The thing that's really exciting about the apps, which I think grew 400% yeah. year on year, is that people spend more time on these apps than they spend on their banking apps or yep. their trading apps. Yep. Um, so it's really, I mean, there's a lot to like about it. I've always been, I'm a little bit of a skeptic, especially of kind of this great notion of Web3, because when you think about the apps that have the most downloads, essentially they're, yeah. middle, they're middleware. So Coinbase, Binance, people yeah. don't want to deal directly with the blockchain. I think that's a bit of a misnomer. They want they want middle people who will prop up and give them some semblance of order re reasonably well, like more safety. Like a bank safety. or something. They feel like something yeah, they're familiar and you with. Pay, you pay Coinbase, mm -hmm. which is supposed to be power to the people, you know, takes, or OpenSea, take similar commissions to American Express or or any other exchange, yeah. sometimes more. But it's, um, I think there's a lot to, a lot to like about it. Um, it'll be interesting to see I mean, it's just been the perfect storm of everything for that was supposed to happen for crypto, whether it was volatility, not being able to get currencies in and out of a country. Um, it didn't happen. And uh, trading in crypto has been flat. And the prices, I think, I think Coinbase is up again. But I, I, look, it's a new asset class. So many smart people are investing yeah. time and money in it. There'll be some enduring yeah. innovation here. Here's here's my thing. I feel like yep. it's not the iPhone yet. The iPhone hasn't shown up. You know, that's when mm -hmm. apps took off. There was something that, there was lots of phones like the iPhone, 
Mm-hmm. But until the iPhone showed up, it wasn't, it didn't explode. Mm-hmm. And I still feel like, I'm always like, I should get some crypto. And then I'm like, oh, I don't want to learn it. You know what I mean? Although Kevin Roos had a very, by the way, congratulations, Kevin, just had a baby. I'm going to go visit the baby this week in San Francisco. Um, Kevin Roos works for New York Times. He's been on our show. Um, he wrote a great primer, brimmer for crypto in the mm-hmm. Times. It's like 14,000 words. It's great. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of attention. Yeah, yep. it's great. It's just a simple, like, it's almost like a like a little booklet. And mm-hmm. it's really useful. And he did a great job. So I think at some point when people start to understand it, or there's some breakthrough that hasn't happened yet, which I don't quite know what it is, that's when people will be spending more time with it. That's my feeling. Yeah, it's, um, like, I, I think the biggest innovation in crypto is not the blockchain or isn't smart contracts, whatever you would point to. I think the breakthrough that fueled most of this is scarcity or specifically scarcity credibility. And that is this genius methodology around saying you've got to throw numbers at a problem. And every time you solve the problem, you're minted a coin. And after that, the problem gets more complex and it's going to keep getting more complex. And then it stops at 21 million minted coins. The credibility around that scarcity that Bitcoin has been able to establish is, I just think, the innovation of of web, whatever. Web 3 is Web 3. It's really Web 2.01. But it's it's, it's given people the confidence that it is, in fact, a store of value, whereas all these other coins, I think that, you know, what is 83% of NFTs are minted on Ethereum. So there's some innovation there, obviously. But it's just scarcity credibility. And now at the same time, the Fed and USD have mm-hmm. lost so much of that scarcity credibility. I think it's a lot of it is leaked to Bitcoin. But I would I would say that the underlying innovation here is doing what luxury brands do, what a rejectionist US university system does, and it's established real credible right. real scarcity. credible notion of scarcity. Uh, you know, I had an interesting interview with Sam Bankman Fried recently from FTX. I did it for an internal New York Times thing. And he was, you know, he was um He's a much more, uh, he's, you know, he's a billion, he's one of the youngest, richest people around, um, from doing all this. And he sort of had that point of view. And he thought that as things became, um, he's a little less like hypester than most of them. Um, but he felt like there needed to be more guideposts and guidelines and stuff like that where people would enter it. And it was interesting. Speaking of really rich people, China is producing more billionaires than any other country, especially when it comes to female billionaires. That's oh, That's been common, especially in real estate, by the way. China's billionaire population growing three times faster than America's. And three cities with the most billionaires are all now in China. China also has 60 to 70% of the world's most successful self-made female billionaires. Uh, big wealth in China comes mostly, as I said, from real estate, industrial products, and healthcare. While billionaires in the U.S. mostly come from tech, finance, and entertainment. Um, but not everything's so great in China. Alibaba and Tencent are preparing for tens of thousands of job cuts as a result of China's regulatory crackdowns. Both are looking at cuts of up to 15% of their staff. As a result, regulations targeting internet companies. Alibaba reported its lowest revenue growth since 2014. Now, this is a stock you thought would take off stock, Scott, you know, I know, um, and thought it was undervalued, but it's really getting pummeled. Um, but at the same time, they're creating all this wealth. So what do you, what thinks you? Well, th- there's a, a few different things there. With respect to Alibaba, I thought it was a buy at 180, and now I think yeah. it's a, it, it went down as low as 70. So it's got yeah. absolutely crushed. I would argue that if you compare it on a like 
per like basis um, to Amazon, you're basically getting Amazon at 70 mm-hmm. to 80% off. So I'm still bullish. The Chinese stocks saw a pretty big pop last week, but they're still very depressed. Yeah. I think generally speaking, the, the, the interesting thing there is one, I believe that Chinese do a much better job of trying to look at us and learn. So as Americans, I think we're we're essentially narcissists. We're very, and a lot of that translates to ego and confidence and exceptionalism. Right. Where we're sort of like, well, why couldn't we? And that's one of the wonderful things about our culture. But just as international news in Europe is twenty minutes, twenty minutes international and ten minutes local, we're twenty minutes U.S. and ten minutes international. We're just very focused on ourselves, self. Yes, and as a result. We like to think that we own all innovation. We like to think we're the most progressive liberal place in the world. But there's one really interesting thing there. More China's produ- minting more billionaire females than any country in the world. And to me, that is that is a shocking, striking, and real point of pride for them. Because I've yeah. always thought that, you know, people talk about the incredible systemic racism we have in this country. And I've always thought the key to the key to most of it is money. Then once you get income inequality, once you take uh, black households and Latino households from an average of $23,000 in wealth to where white households are, not all, but a lot of these problems go away. Because I find if you have money, people treat you differently and the opportunities presented to you and your children are entirely different. Okay, China. Well, that's where I'm headed with this. Thanks, Brenda. Thanks, Brenda. Listen, my grandmother, whenever my aunt who over-talked said things, she'd go, land it, Ann, land it. Go ahead, land it, Ann. Land, land it. it. Land the uh, plane. It's the edible speaking. But yeah. that's a real point of pride. When you start minting female billionaires, it sends yeah. the right message to young women. It sends the right message to business partners. It sends the right message. I mean, they can just, they can say when we wave our finger at them and talk about whatever it is we're lecturing them on, and there's some very, very real problems that we should put pressure on in China. But, uh, uh, you know, look, they're producing more female billionaires than us. I think that's, yeah, inc- that's I think it's incredibly terrific. impressive. That said, their problems are a little bit different than ours, I would say, including the wholesale like jailing of a people. The, the oh, yeah, genocide light. I mean, there's a lot of places it's, we could go with that. But uh, it, I the get other that. interesting don't thing. Don't do the Donald Trump. There are bad people in our country, too. We have done I, that. I didn't we say that. And Japanese don't put words people. in my mouth okay, like every right, fucking okay. politician, Brenda. All right. All right. Okay, listen, go ahead, explain yourself. Well, and also, if you look at their wealth creation, yeah. a lot of it is what you would call how wealth was m- really aggregated in the 70s and 80s here, uh, here real estate, right? Yeah, real Industrials, estate, yeah. Um, healthcare, and then over here, we've moved, we've gone full information economy, and it's all about tech now, and all about moving zeros and ones. They're, a manuf- they're still a manufacturing-based economy, I would argue, and we've moved to full service slash innovation. I'll but, tell you what I think of them. I think yeah. this is a very entrepreneurial country. And when there's layoffs like this, there'll be yeah. lots of companies. That's another thing I think of. I think this is not a, it's not like Russia where they just d- deem people oligarchs who are not entrepreneurial. These people mm-hmm. who made this money, everyone I've met from China has been very entrepreneurial. I don't feel like they were handed, here, you get this, you get this, you do favors for who. Now, obviously that's going on in this country, but I always feel that this, a lot of this stuff is self-made people who have been taking opportunities. Now, the question, the big issue hanging over China is that the government can move in at any point, at any point, and do whatever it wants, like it has done here. Jack Ma was uh, flying high, and then he wasn't. Same but thing with Tencent. What they have done, when I was talking about our inability, or we're not as good at learning from other nations and yeah. best practices, I think China has clearly looked at the U.S., the ruling party, and said, yeah. 
we're just not going to let big tech get as big yes. and powerful as they have in the U.S. because it's yeah. been bad for their society. And so they have gone in and they have pretty, I don't want to say kneecapped, but yeah. they have hit, it's more like the Nancy Kerrigan thing. Like, let's take her out of the Olympics. <laughs> let's not cripple her, but let's just make sure she only gets the silver or whatever it was yeah. that guy did. That's what the CCP has done to these companies. It's come in and it said, we don't like where Facebook, Amazon, and Apple, and Google are in the U.S. We're not going to let that happen here. Uh, yeah. I, I think they're absolutely watching us and deciding, taking a lot of cues. They look at well, they look at educational inequality. They've gone in and shut down these tutoring companies. I mean, they've just shut them down. Yeah. Or they don't like someone getting too big and famous the, than the government. I'm well, just if saying, that person much, starts speaking out. Nobody in, in the U.S. is scared of the U.S. government and tech. Really, they are. They are. They are. Yeah, and I, there I would agree with that. I would agree with that, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to our big, uh, first big story. Not such a fairy tale beginning for CEO Bob Chapek. He could use a little magic, as they say, a little fairy dust. Employees are angry with his weak opposition to Florida's don't say gay bill, as we've noted. Uh, they staged brief walkouts last week. A full day walkout is planned for today. Uh, announcers on Disney-owned ESPN went silent for two minutes in protest of the Florida bill. Uh, and Chapek is missing one powerful ally. Mm -hmm. His predecessor, Bob Iger, reportedly the two aren't on speaking terms. I, I can say I think they don't have a good relationship from my interview, recent interview with Bob. Um, and, but this piece in CNBC uh, was terrific, um, was terrific. I, I, I tweeted it. And it was fantastic. It was really well done. A very complex topic. Not, and then very fair to Chapik, who's doing, I don't know if it's Chapik, it's Chapik or Chapik. Anyway, he, Bob too is how I call him. Um, mm -hmm. A really interesting story. Very complex. He's trying to make a lot of important changes. That said, he's uh, put power in the hands of, a, of, a, of one guy, um, uh, this guy named Kareem. Uh, I'm blanking on his last name, but uh, he's uh, his chief of staff. He's been with him for years. He's the first really high-profile and powerful um, African-American executive at, at Disney and has the most powerful uh, job, I think, in, in media right now. Um, and he's supposed to be quite competent and quite good at this job, but also has a lot of power and is making big changes in a company that has been presided over by Bob Iger, who's like everybody's uncle. Everybody likes mm -hmm. him. Elegant. Smart made some two of the best deals, Marvel and Pixar, in history of media. I think so. What what thinks you? It's and then just today, uh, Rachel Ziegler, uh, the star of West Side Story, said she's not invited to the Oscars. West Side Story is distributed by 20th Century Studios, a Disney company, and she's playing Snow White in the upcoming Disney movie, A Latin Woman. Um, mm -hmm. Bob Iger prioritized relationships with A-listers as CEO. Bob, too, uh, had some friction already with Scarlett Johansson. I, I, I'm just sort of astonished by, like, the ongoing series of small-time fuck-ups and bigger ones. Um, I, I get why you might want to reorganize a company along the lines that he's doing. Um, and so did Bob Iger, I think. But this is really quite astonishing bunch of toe stubs. What do you think? Well, something you just said I didn't know makes me believe that he's probably not going to make it through 20 that he's probably not going to make it through 2023, maybe not even yeah. through 2022. And that is Bob Iger. And you don't, I, I don't know the man, but he's got such a sterling reputation. Yeah. That the new CEO not having cloud cover and a full throated endorsement from what is the closest thing to business or Hollywood royalty, which is now 
Bob Iger. It's yeah. not a good forward-looking indicator. Some of it is self-inflicted injury on Mr. Chapek. The the statement he did around don't say gate was just stupid and tone deaf. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that should be a career-ending injury. What will likely be a career-ending injury is the following, and that is guys like Bob Iger, I, I think he's not only smart around media, I think he's very smart around the markets. And I think he realized it was a good time to ring the bell. Yeah. Disney's stock on a multiple of revenues down. on any metric, well, it's down now, but it's still trading at an exceptionally rich price relative to other similar media companies. And I think that but Bob Two's undoing will be the fact that there's just going to be a natural. I, I think the stock is still potentially overvalued when you look at every other media company that's similar. And it got yeah. out ahead, a little ahead of its skis because everyone was so excited about a streaming company that looked like it could actually go toe to toe with Netflix. Disney Plus was really the first yeah. streaming platform that kind of took some air out of the room from that. It was just every story on streaming, but, if it was about success, was about Netflix until Disney Plus. Yeah. But when you look at Disney, it's still, you know, it's a great company. It's got theme parks. It's still a media company. But I think Bob, I think the perfect storm of bad things for Bob, whether Bob 2, whether it's not having a good relationship with Bob 1, this fuck up around don't say gay, and 3, I just think some natural pressure that's going to come on, come, yeah. the stock's going to come under through no fault of his own means that he yeah. probably, he probably, uh, I don't think survives uh, 24 months. Well, you know, he's put all his, all the eggs in the streaming basket as, as Bob Iger was starting to do. Um, one of the things that was interesting is that Bob Iger came back. Do you remember when he came back in the pandemic? Yeah. Apparently, yeah. Chapek didn't want him to um, and was surprised by this. Although, I, what I've understood is Chapek, it kind of zeroed and iced him out, which I thought, don't ice him out. What are you, you know, you suck up to that guy. Um, he didn't like that Bob Iger did that. That's in the story, which was interesting. And That's Eisner just, did the same thing to Iger. Eisner was the thing. Here's care. the thing. CEOs are great what, companies. Yeah. They're like African dictators. They cling to power for a lot longer than yeah. they should. And I, I just, Iger was quiet about a lot of the stuff around Eisner. You know what I mean? He just took he it. He was a good soldier. He, he just, he right. just, he just plotted along. I don't know if you remember the stories back then, but a lot of people didn't think there was a lot of speculation around whether Bob Iger was going to get the job. Was he the right yeah. guy? He was considered nice, but not the creative of mind of yeah. Eisner. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, he just kind of got it through attrition. But typically with CEOs that have that kind of, yeah. I mean, look what, what's happening with Howard Schultz. He's decided to come back for the third time. Yeah. So yeah, that was, I got to, I don't even understand. I know both those executives pretty well. I haven't spent any time doing any reporting, but um, in that, that's in the case of Starbucks. In this case, it's a very, um, I think his big, there's a great piece by Matt Bellany on Puck about the mm -hmm. difficulties of the streaming uh, wars going on. Disney's at 130 million, something like that. They've, yeah. he, uh, Chapik is, JPEG is uh, thought to get up to 240. He's promised by 2024. The business may be very difficult to do that in. It could be a very losing business. People aren't paying. It might have to drop prices. Um, they've all chased Netflix and it might not have been the best race to do for them from a financial point of view. It's definitely screwing up talent relationships. I mean, it's a, I wouldn't, this is not good, but these tiny little mistakes, not inviting Snow White to the Oscars, who was the star of a movie up for best movie is, ee, ow, Scarlett Johansson, really? Um, you know, even, it, it doesn't matter. He gets to take it all in. Don't say gay, come on, guy. Like, you're sort of like, come on. I, but I think the real issue is the streaming stuff. This other stuff makes for good fodder in Hollywood, which also can bring down a CEO for sure.
I think one of the biggest business stories of 2022 will be layoffs at unicorns, private market companies yeah. that got way out of yeah. their skis. What's happened to Tencent and Alibaba is about to happen across a third to two thirds of unicorns in the US. Okay. They've been right. so much cheap capital, so much growth, so much over hiring. It's going to be very interesting to see how those CEOs and this this kind of new generation of workers is going to react to those types yeah. of layoffs. And then this, I think the business story of 2023 is going to be the um, pressure that streaming is about to come under. There's just no way they can get an R on that eye. They all rush the buffet line, and there's not enough fried cheese sticks for everyone. That so. <laughs> truism. As someone who's about to launch a show on CNN Plus in nine days, I'm telling you, there's just too much content out there. And there's yeah. only so many times someone's going to take their credit card out. So you're going to see you're going to see right. consolidation. You're going to see layoffs. Just as Web3, just as unicorns became overinvested in 2022, streaming yeah. is the next thing where everyone's going to lift up their head and go, okay, wow. uh, there's no, there's just too much money has gone into this. Well, that's and a nice be a prediction for your show in nine days, Scott. Thank wow. you. That's no right. one's going to buy CNN, all the seven people on CNN Plus. That's what I, you just said. You just uh, said that. The bottom line is there's huge room for news and politics and the dog. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I saw my pilot though, and I liked it. Did you? I liked it. Can I see it? It's on sale. Do you believe they're already cutting prices? Are they? There's a yeah, promotion. It's three bucks. I'm like, oh, well, that's really? that's encouraging. We're already on oh, sale. Dear. We haven't even opened yeah. the store and we're on sale. All right. All right. We're going to have a quick break. I'll decide if I can afford three bucks for Scott Galloway. When we come back, I actually want to watch, um, oh, Chris Wallace. The centrist that you are. All right, Scott, let's go on a quick break. When we come back, Amazon buys an iconic lion and we'll speak with a friend of Pivot, Kelly O'Coin. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. One of our customers who produces pizza at a very large scale all across the world. Believe it or not, they use AI to review the quality of the pizzas that are created. That goes through a workflow that scans the images of the pizzas and makes sure they visually look like what they should. So it's pretty cool. That's Sharif Mansour, Atlassian's head of AI. Sharif thinks there's a lot for companies to be excited about on the AI-generated horizon, spanning everything from making pizza to producing podcasts like the one you're listening to now. There'll be far more jobs created on the other side of this revolution. Instead of a world of less, Sharif envisions an AI-powered world of more. In everyone's day job, they're moving from doing the thing to often being an architect of the thing. It unleashes the potential of every human. And I think we can go from a world where few people have access to a high level of intelligence to a lot more people having access to this information. AI is really giving everyone on the planet more resources to do great things. And I'm very optimistic about that opportunity that lies ahead. Transform teamwork with the power of AI-human collaboration. Start using Atlassian intelligence for your Atlassian products like Jira and Confluence now. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N dot com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. 
Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Scott, we're back with our second big story. The FTC is leaving Amazon unshaken and unstirred. The agency will not block, at least for now, Amazon's acquisition of MGM, the studio that owns the James Bond franchise. Uh, FTC Chairman Lena Khan let the deal close without a vote from her commission. She reportedly believed that a vote wouldn't get past Republican commissioners she needs. It's still not uh, balanced correctly. It's 4-2-2, I think. But like the Rocky movie, also an MGM property, there's room for a sequel. The FTC says it can challenge a deal at any time, as I said. Um, I doubt it will. It's looking for bigger fish from Amazon around marketplaces, from what I understand. Also, um, it, Amazon's got its hands full running the place, especially with the uh, producers of the James Bond franchise in the driver's seat a lot of the ways. There's also all kinds of executive flurrying going on uh, there and who's going to report to who and this and that. So um, so what, do you, what did you think about this? Is this, is this she let it pass? I, I'm not surprised. I think this is the right move. This is not yeah. the beach to die on. And her first major action needs to be a win to show credibility and to to create a, a, an environment where there's more scrutiny and to reestablish credibility of the FTC as being yeah. effective. I mean, keep in mind the last big profile thing was the FTC or, or the DOJ filed a suit to try and block the merger of AT&T and Time Warner, which was just stupid. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, so I think I think this is a good thing. And then if you look at the actual semantics of whether mm-hmm. it's anti-competitive, it's effectively a content company for streaming. And the streaming environment, per our previous comments, is actually very competitive. So I don't a I don't think it's monopoly abuse. I mean, you could argue that their ability to go in and overpay is a perfect example of monopoly abuse. But the market yeah. itself is very competitive. What yeah, are your agreed. thoughts, Kara? Yeah, it was interesting because at the end of our interview, she asked me what I thought of it. At the deal out of nowhere, you know, we I did an interview with her relatively recently, and um, and she asked me what I thought of it. I said, "It's not your hill to die on. This is not the one. Like it's right. not. It's competitive. The same thing you were saying." And she just listened. She didn't say anything. She just asked asked what I thought, and I thought they've got, they're going to have enough problems integrating this thing into yeah. uh, its business, and it's not going to be a win win for them necessarily. You know, paying too much is really not the thing you're going to win on. And it's going to spend all your firepower on something that's small. And she doesn't have a majority. Uh, 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 If if Congress does confirm Alfred Bedoya, it's not a clear thing it's going to happen. His nomination is currently stalled. Um, And Amazon, though the thing is, Amazon has acquired over 100 companies in its history, and the FTC has challenged. How many do you think, Scott? Oh, two or three? Zero. Zero. There you go. So, you know, this anti the judge dismissed the antitrust lawsuit against Amazon uh, with the pricing policies are anti competitive. You know, we'll, we'll see. I think the marketplace is where she needs to play. It's marketplace. There's a lot of people you can testify. There's a lot of uh, people unhappy. Um, they're not quiet. Uh, people will understand that. I just feel like, you know, that might go to DOJ. Who knows? But this is not the one. Although, who knows what she's going to do with Microsoft Activision coming up also before it. I think they think it's going through. I, I think Lena Khan would be uh, well advised to put all of her wood behind a couple arrows, and that is probably breaking yeah. up Google, which is both the, the buyer, the seller, and the marketplace. Google's over at the Justice Department, but go ahead. 
And then, uh, but they cooper- do they cooperate on these issues or do they no. just divide them up perfectly? No, they divide them up, yeah. And then um, I think getting Facebook, Facebook. to yeah, divest of Instagram and WhatsApp would be a huge victory. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of supporting evidence that make that a, a very Although doable, it might be backward place. looking because of TikTok and all the problems right now at, at, at Facebook. That's a good point. So it's a, very, it's a moving target for her and she still doesn't have the, the majority she needs. It's, you know, here's someone ready to go and loaded for bear and can't do what she wants. I would suspect Amazon and Marketplace and something with Facebook around privacy would probably be where she might be able to make a win, but she's got to make a win. Um, and I think that's really... Um, I think that's really the, where she needs to play. I, I don't think she could do this at where she was going to go. And then it would have been an internal fight. And then you'd have seen the stories about you know, Lena Khan's FTC going nowhere, that kind of thing. And you understand how that goes, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I'm, we need, we need, uh, they need more funding. They need, uh, and their first one or two cases have to be wins because. The, again, it's out. It's not. It's not who the FTC and the DOJ break up that's important. It's that when the DOJ went after Microsoft, big companies thought twice before trying to acquire or, uh, competitors or trying to put small companies out of business. It was the chill yeah. of the DOJ's initial win against Microsoft, even though it was yeah. overturned. And the way she creates an algebra of deterrence around these anti-competitive acquisitions or activity is for her. To, she needs a win. She needs a big, iconic win, and she should be very thoughtful because the bottom line is she's going to go up yeah. against thousands of lawyers. Yeah. Uh, uh, in, in a lot any of people of thought cases. she would block this. This was interesting, but I think she knew she, she can't win. She can't win. She can't win. She, but she put the letter out, right? Um, mm-hmm. And Amazon, of course, she got famous for her Amazon Yale Law School article she wrote. And again, I think Amazon's going to have plenty. There's plenty of competition in this area. Amazon's going to have a hard time really getting getting this brought in. They I read the Hollywood trades a lot and it seems like there's a lot of unhappiness or in that w- among the executives. And you know how much trouble those Hollywood executives can make. Um and the broccoli uh, family uh have have lots of uh, heft there. But not just that, there's other executive and and um uh, I think it's Jennifer Salke who runs their thing. It's going to, you know, there's a lot of egos involved. Um but we'll see if um if they can do something with this, with this, uh, this film library is really why they bought it. Um, they also have um, epics, which uh, whether it's going to stay on the air um, and whether how they're going to license things and what they're going to use for the Amazon Prime, and I don't know. We'll see what happens here. It's it's going to be a big mess for them to to make perfect in any case, and I think she just saw no win here for herself. Well, you, anyway. know Daniel, you know why Daniel Craig um, had what? gray hair in the last Bond what? film? Why? Uh, because he, he had no time to die. <laughs> he did. He did have time to die. Yeah. Anyway, I'm so pleased right now to bring in our friend of Pivot. <music> Kelly O'Coin is an actor known for his roles on Billions and the Americans. Now he takes a role of a lifetime as Scott Galloway in We Crash, the Apple TV series that chronicles the rise and fall of WeWork. Kelly, welcome. Hey, thank First you. First of all, we, I am a huge fan of yours in Billions. I thought you played Scott Galloway so perfectly in this show, I don't know what to say. And I love the show, by the way, We that. Crashed. Um, and we have lots to talk yeah. about. But why don't I let uh, 
No, I'm going to ask the first question. Well, that's a shocker. How much research did you do to place Scott Galloway? Hush up, you, Scott Galloway. I've got the nicer Scott Galloway here. <laughs> um, well, you know, first thing I I I, I stalked his neighborhood till I found him and uh, followed him yeah. very very closely for for months on end, um, years in anticipation of this uh, of someone writing this series. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean it, it's you know it, the, you guys have seen the whole thing. I think mm-hmm. um, yes. it, it it's not that it gets into it doesn't get into his private life. It's not you know the Scott Galloway biopic. So yeah. for me, it not was yet. about not trying, yet. yet. No, the spinoff is coming, I'm sure. Yeah. Chipotle and ED Clinic. I can't wait. Season four. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, so it was more just, uh, you know, I wanted to to to, um, uh, to study the the stylings of yeah. Prof G, you know, and yeah. uh, that was very, very entertaining research. Uh, yeah, there's a I mean, lot I, of it too, right? There's yeah, a lot of yeah. it. So it was, yeah. uh, you know, and I wanted to see you. Uh, interviewing people and talking to a crowd. And I also wanted to watch a ton of your um, YouTube show. And because that was the pretty much that's the type of stuff I do. Can I ask you what you thought the essence, what did you hold on to of oh, the many parts go. of Scott Galloway? We well, go. there was this follicular thing that I felt kinship to. Yeah. Um, okay. That's easy. Yeah. Uh, the essence, I don't know that I would phrase, I, I don't know that I, I think of it in those terms. Um, but there's an energy and a curiosity and a, there's, there, there's a droll, um, oh, oh, uh, wor- there's a world weariness to to it, but it's not cynical, oh. uh, and that's hmm. what, what one of the things that really. I mean, it may be cynical, but it's not cynical to the point of of um, I won't speak for you, you know, but to, yeah. to the point of not giving a shit anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was the kind of energy I was I was approaching it with. Apparently, Jared Leto stayed in character for six yeah. months. Which is yeah. crazy. And oddly enough, I just had breakfast with Adam Newman and he's perfect. He's like crazy perfect. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. Did you enough. stay in, in Scott Galloway's uh, character for six months or maybe a month? <laughs> oh, God. That's a frightening thought. <laughs> yeah. I, I shot those scenes uh, about, I think, two months apart. So, yeah, I had yeah. to say I wanted to stay in the, uh-huh. in the, Gallo- the, the Gallowayan uh, mode for two months. <laughs> Judgmental yet desperate for other people's affirmation. That's how you, that's. <laughs> That's this headspace you decided to occupy for oh, several that's months. That's why I felt that way. Yeah, I just somehow got into that headspace yeah. doing you physically. Yeah. I loved. I had one scene with Adam Newman that the interview scene that's already aired. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you, and all I can do is think three things. First, God, he's got great hair. <laughs> Second, kind of feels a little like you're targeting potential investors here. And what is the third thing? I just feet cold. <laughs> when I got on set, they were like, okay, now listen, be warned. He stays in character. He goes off script a bit. You just like go with him. I was like, great. No, this is actually fun. That means yeah. I can play ball too. And I, I think if you, maybe if you come from theater or, or yeah. maybe, maybe that's part of it. You know, there was a big crowd there that you get energy off the crowd of extras that are that are responding to you. And um, I had a great time with him. I think he's, yeah. he's phenomenal. Super. Uh, he really yeah, is. In this role. Really I can't is. wait till people get to see the later episodes when we're doing the, uh, the Prof G show and, and whatnot. You know, what's weird is Kelly's referencing this conference where I interviewed Adam Newman on stage at the JP Morgan Alternative Investment Conference. And I don't know if the rest of the show is this exacting. It was literally the exact words and dialogue 
I mean, really, they call it inspired by or dramatization. It was biopic. Yeah. It was the exact questions I asked. Even I thought, my God, was somebody recording us? But if the rest of the series, this is true to what actually happened, this is not a drama at all. This is that's it, interesting. It is really close to the actual um, uh, actual events. Oh, that's so you have not seen him play you doing Prof G. You have not so seen you haven't that seen episode. the show when I do the show. I, I did. It, I got to be honest. It's weird to take yourself out of your body <laughs> and see someone. It has to be right. You're much. You're a much better me than me. Uh, but it <laughs> yeah, was. I thought so. It was. I thought so. Uh, my wife seemed a little too enthralled by you as me. I got to say that. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, but uh, I, I'm, I'm no, at a loss uh, for words here. He's it's got to feel words. strange to see someone do you. And I wasn't, I mean, I, I was not trying to like match your voice or I wasn't trying to to do the Jared Leto r- r- way of doing things. Yeah, the Rich Little. Um, yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't doing the Rich Little, but it was, uh, there's just an energy that was infectious. So I was definitely, and I think, and <laughs> after the casting announcement, we, we connected uh, and and I think I was like, just, you know, I'm not doing an impersonation. It's inspired by and all that, which partially I'm sure was me being like, well, yeah, if yeah. he fucking hates it, yeah. then I can say, yeah. well, this is just my interpretation of you. Or inspired whatever. by, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I did love your first comment. You, you screen cap, do you remember what your first comment was? I don't. You screen, screen captured the picture of me uh, in the announcement, the casting announcement, uh, and said, I guess Chris Hemsworth wasn't available. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which made me laugh out loud and my wife laugh out loud. Oh, um, my God. And, Scott. Uh, no, it was great. It was great <laughs> because it, then it allows you to respond in a self-deprecating manner. Yeah. And, and yeah. Hey, Kelly, first of all, I, let me just say, I was so excited to find out that you were the guy. I, I'm a fan. I, you get a ton of credit for, you're sort of known as Dollar Bill and Billions, but I, I think you're, in my opinion, you're, you're kind of iconic or great work is as the pastor in the Americans. I can't turn Paige away from the church, Mr. Jennings. It's a sanctuary. I can't turn anyone away. That's the whole point of this place. I'd love to just get a little bit of your backstory, like where you grew up, how you got into acting, what, what do you find rewarding about it, what's been your favorite mm-hmm. role? Just kind of give us the voiceover. Uh, the extended elevator pitch, I suppose. Or, um, I, I've, I've got, you know, there was a period of time when I was maybe in uh, junior high through high school where I'd realized there was nothing more, nothing else I wanted to do mm-hmm. and what the fuck was going to happen if it didn't work out as mm-hmm. I, I really, I didn't have a backup plan, but, um, my father was in, was a congressman, uh, 18 hmm. terms and my mom, uh, sang, um, you know, I grew up with, um, with, with people who are used to being in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the concept that there's a performative aspect to, um, politics. politics. Yeah. yeah. So I noticed, and we were, and for better and for worse, um, you do need to get a story across. That's essential for any communication, but, uh, it can obviously, uh, it can get, it can go too far, but, um, I was used to be in front of people. And, um, I remember, I've told this story before, but I remember singing. I was in a play called The Trial of Mother Goose in uh, junior high uh, or maybe grade school. And I did something off script and the crowd reacted, not to the script, but to what I did. Mm-hmm. They laughed. And what I remember just being like, what? I have no idea what I did. I just remember that it was like a seismic moment. It's intoxicating, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I could make the crowd do something and it was from there. 
Two questions. What role was your big break professionally, and what role have you enjoyed the most? Other than, of course, playing playing this one, yeah. but, but in the past. Well, yes. I mean, certainly, um, I can I can quit now. Happy. Yeah. You're um, done. <laughs> You've rang the bell. <laughs> the, it's all down pinnacle. here from here. It was either me or Gandhi, and you chose me. <laughs> I did. Oh, please. That guy? What other bald men can you play with? with I played Jeff birth? Bezos in... Um, a little cameos, Jeff Bezos in Super Pumps, oh. which is uh, another nice. show That's created right. by the billionaires. You, are, you nice. are correct. More yeah. importantly, who plays his girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a tiny cameo. Yeah, uh, I, it was, I my favorite roles are still from theater. Uh, I I'm a big huh. Tom Stoppard fan. I don't know if anyone yeah. listening is a, is a fan of his, but yes, um, indeed, Kara uh, Swisher Sept- is. Septimus Hodge in uh, Arcadia is probably my You're favorite. You're kidding? Role today. You played wow. Septimus. Yeah. Oh my oh, God, he's so super. deep and sexy. I knew it. Shall That's we the dance? Essence. Substantive <laughs> yet Shall sexy. Shall we dance? That, that That's last the line core. The That's why this worked. That's Say why it worked. Line. Do That's the right. last uh, line. It's the oh best God, line it was ever. Ages ago, but it's when it's, Septimina it, asks him to dance, yeah, and yeah, and you yeah. know she's going to die in a fire that night yes, uh, because yeah. you've gone back. It's it, it's yeah, it's crushing. Oh. Uh, I just spoiled play. the play for everyone who hasn't seen it. Hmm. Nonetheless, it doesn't uh, spoil it. It's so beautiful. It's one of the most so beautiful. The, my favorite role. I, I love the theater. The, theater is still my my base. I came to New York. All of us came to New York, the theater actors, because we, you know we made a choice out of school. Either we go to L.A. Mm-hmm. for yeah. TV to focus on TV, or we go to New York for um, for um, theater. And we got lucky. Are, are you in a current play? Not yet. I haven't done a play since two thousand. 19. Since billions. No, so I, I was able to do about a play a year for quite a while. I just, the pandemic kind of just shut things down. Talk about playing uh, Dollar Bill uh, Stern uh, on Billions, which you are just really an awful human being, but fantastically <laughs> oh, awful. funny. Back off, Bill. Why? Because he can end my world, burn my contacts, and keep every cent of my bonus for himself? That That's supposed to make me hold my tongue? Fuck yeah. <laughs> See, that, that's why you will never buy and sell equities. No, all that's supposed to make me more brazen when I know I'm fucking right. It's okay, Wade. It's really fun to misbehave. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I can't think of a character short of a serial killer that is more polar opposite to me. Yeah. Um, uh, as my as some of my former Twitter fans, Twitter former fans have oh, found out like that you? I'm slightly to the left of Dollar Bill. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not quite the Ayn Rand um, uh, yeah. follower that he is. Uh, it's just, it's, it's fun. And it's, uh, I, yeah. you step in the shoes of someone who is so completely different from you and you get to act out. My wife tells me never bring, uh, you bring an ounce of him home and you're out buddy. Yeah. Uh, but the joy is the group of people that I'm working with. It's amazing. It is amazing. And it's, I know compliment pretty well. I know you Brian do? really, yeah, I went to set um, I think oh. Paul Giamatti was on the set. I think we were in his office okay. um, during one of the seasons. But it's how is it going with the changeover now that you've you know you have a new villain essentially running? Yeah, um, I I'm you in act. fewer of these episodes because uh, Dollar Bill went off and and did his um, started his own business with Mafi because we were loyal yeah. to to Bobby. Yeah. Um, but I have, I'm having a good time. Uh, the, the, supposedly there'll be more stuff next next year, but. Um, uh, and I know we got renewed, so hope, hopefully. Yeah. But it's let me do a lot of other things as well. This it was fun to keep my foot in the door with billions, but then also I did. A, we crashed and uh, play a show called The Girl from Plainville, which premieres in about a week, and um, it does a couple other things. Uh, so it's been fun. What was the kind of pivotal moment in terms of elevating your career? Like, what was your what was your big moment? Your big breakthrough? 
There, there were probably two. Um, <clears throat> I, I got my first Broadway show uh, in a, a little old play called Julius Caesar that Denzel Washington was starring in, and I had a nice, juicy little role that led to a, a couple of uh, some some other great theater things. And I was doing well theater wise. I just hadn't broken into TV, mm -hmm. so that was a big that was a big thing to elevate me a little bit. Um, and, and change the way people thought about me. Um, and then I, I, it probably was, um, house of cards, house of cards and the Americans happened very close together. The Americans became a bigger role as it went along. I think they started to, to start to expand the, the thought instead of just killing him off, they thought actually maybe the one thing is everyone expects him to die. We can't kill him off. He's the one person we can't kill off. Um, and I think the one-two punch of having House of Cards and, and the Americans, which were so different, and I was so different on them, that uh, I think that sort of opened these other doors. So I have one more question about, um, because one of the scenes I thought was best is when you read the, the, the S1 from WeWork, and you yeah. start writing the what the fuck column, the famous yeah. what the fuck column. Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, one of the things people don't realize, it is a pivotal moment in crashing uh, WeWork with Scott's doing this. Uh, or starting, people were going to catch on to this, but it really it encapsulated the problem really rather s severely. I thought you got that energy just right, because we talked about it on the show incessantly, uh, the S1 at the time. It was really interesting to me. There Also, I learned what an S1 was um, oh, good. working on this piece. I, I think working on the audition. When I, was, when I was auditioning for it, there were three Professor G shows, uh, episodes. Yeah. And little sections instead of just the, the, the two we have now. And, and uh, each of them were much, much longer. I can see why dramaturgically you had to cut them down because it was, uh, I was bummed because it was so much fun to do all of it. But yeah, uh, yeah so that, that SC scene, it was the one little moment, little quiet thing. There were no other actors. It was just me on a, on a, a coast. Yeah. Um, and, Where uh, was that? Supposed to be Nantucket, right? It should have been Nantucket. They didn't yeah. take me to Nantucket. Now I'm pissed they didn't take me to Nantucket. It was uh, Scott. Yeah. Scott could but it have was, taken you. But it was just, <laughs> Scott, why didn't you take me to Nantucket? We're Twitter. You don't know Scott. this yet, Kelly, but you and I are friends. I George yeah. Hahn was my oh, yeah. first Twitter friend. You're going to be my second. Oh, yeah. I just, I like the cut. Yeah. I can tell you're a nice man and we'll enjoy hanging. So congratulations, we're friends. But okay, uh, we're going to get to some things um, to test your Scott medal, if you don't mind. Oh my so God. So here's the game. Oh my God. Okay. Here I'll we go. read you a line very neatly. I do, not, I do not see this in the script. Yeah, you don't. So okay. too bad. Do not, right, do not be offended if I get him all wrong. He's he's okay. always offended. He's pre-offended. Okay. All right, and you give <laughs> it to back. Perpetually offended. So uncomfortable. Seriously, I'm and as someone who is almost never uncomfortable. I'm incredibly uncomfortable right now. But oh, anyways, go you'll ahead. be fine. It's all about you. It's perfect. Okay, go ahead. Uh, you give it back to us as Scott Galloway. Okay, I'm going to say the line. Oh my, I, oh all my right. god. Right, you can do it, Kelly. I'm Scott Galloway. You're watching Pivot. What a thrill! What a thrill! I'm Scott Galloway. You're watching Pivot. What a thrill! What a thrill! <laughs> that was really good. Oh, that's good. That was excellent. That's good. That's good. Okay. The real party is happening later in the dog's hotel room with Cialis and Chipotle. Oh my God, I'm triggered. The real party's happening back at the dog's hotel room later with Cialis and something else I don't remember now. Oh, oh my God, I'm triggered. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, now you just have to say boom stuff. and we're done on that. Boom. 
Excellent. There now, what are you going to be in next? Uh, so the real fun stuff on We Crash is coming up, um, I think, episode seven. Um, yeah. And, so good. Uh, more so, billions so to come, good. but we don't yeah. get back to shooting that until October. Uh, and um, The Girl from Plainville on Hulu, which is a really, really interesting What's that about? Piece. It's about the um, it's about Michelle Carter um, and Conrad Roy, the two teens. Um, oh yeah, they, their text relationship and and, oh. um, and he committed suicide and the question and she was coaxing him to and um, yeah. it's about that case. Wow, and it's much more complicated uh, than I ever knew. Um, the yeah. first three episodes drop on March 29th on And Hulu. you play, who do you play? I one? play Scott Gordon, another Scott G. There you go. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the detective who sort of pieces it together. Oh, wow. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Anyway, for our purposes, you can watch We Crash, which both of us loved. I really loved it. On great. Apple uh, TV Plus, uh, new episodes drop every Friday. And Scott is hosting the companion podcast for the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm interviewing Kelly on it, yeah. It's called We Crash, the Director's Cut, available from Wondery. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Kelly. This is such a, I mean this sincerely, it was such a rewarding moment for me. So thank you. I love that. And, and having, hearing you say that is, very, is a very rewarding moment for me as well. So I, I'm Good. very glad Thanks, you guys Kelly. like it, really. Good. It's another bromance for Scott. There it's you go. There you, <laughs> my, our mandate is coming up soon. I love it. It'll be very bromantic. That's right. Okay, Scott, we'll take one more quick break and then we'll be back for wins and fails. Support for the show comes from the Harvard Business Review. You know, there's this idea in business that some people are born to be leaders. You either have it or you don't. But leadership, like any skill, can and should be learned over time. Whether you've climbed the top of the corporate ladder or are just starting out, you'll find valuable insights at Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review is a leading destination for smart management thinking. And on their website, hbr.org, subscriptions are just $10 a month, which gives you unlimited access to the same level of expertise. Things like case studies, newsletters, podcasts, articles written by some of the world's top minds. I use HBR in my research when I do articles or when I'm thinking about what to talk about on Pivot. I find them really interesting. I find them complete. I find them different. And you can find all kinds of industries covered. While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. What a bargain. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT right now to get 10% off your subscription. Again, save 10% off your HBR subscription. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT. Okay, Scott, wins and fails. My win is Katanji Brown Jackson. Uh, her con yeah. confirmation hearing begins. She'd be the first black woman on the Supreme Court. Uh, and she's what's exciting is she's passed the Senate confirmation test three times previously. So Senator Murkowski, I believe, has already approved her for her appointment. I believe it was to the appellate court. Or, yep. Look, I think this is a nice moment. Uh, and I'm so I'm excited about that. My other win is a little bit different. My win is Poland, which has taken in 1.8 million Ukrainian refugees. And I don't mm -hmm. think that should be overlooked. Uh, I think a lot of nations, when hundreds, you know, thousands, much less hundreds of thousands, much less millions of people show up at their border, uh, that yeah. sometimes that brings out the best and the worst in nations. And I think it's brought out the best in Poland. They've taken over 
1.8 million refugees into their borders and welcome them. And I think that's an extraordinary display of humanity and grace. And I think over the long term, it helps their economy because there's nothing like loyalty to a country and a flag than when you take them in when they're at their most vulnerable. So my win is Poland. Uh, my other Poland and uh, uh, Judge Jackson. My fail is there was a great article in the Washington Post just about how far millennials are and a younger generation is falling behind in terms of household wealth. And when you look at our desire to keep boomers rich by bailing out the existing rich and not transferring opportunities and creating churn in our economy, uh, it yeah. suppresses younger people. When you look at skyrocketing education costs, uh, we have uh, seen wealth of people under the age of 40 drop from 19% of GDP to 9%. If you look at household wealth, they're effectively being shut out of the housing market because you live in a scarcity economy where once people have houses, they decide, let's make it harder for other people to get houses. Uh, so you have uh, a younger generation that is, for the first time in history at the age of 30, not doing as well as his or her parents uh, yeah. are at 30. And the Washington Post did a great job of summarizing it. But you have um, you have a generation that's sort of lost economically, and I think yeah. that leads to revolution. And that revolution takes different forms, but uh, it's also being, I think, especially hard on young men who are uh, expected to be fairly or unfairly uh, are judged based on their economic viability. So we have a generation that's not forming households, not forming what I think is the elemental foundation of any society, and that is healthy, productive relationships, yeah. which. Uh, in a capitalist society means someone has to be or both people need to be economically viable. Yeah. So I, I think there's a real uh, uh, something we always talk about income inequality. I think what we should be talking about as much or more is generational inequality. Yeah. And that is we through all our tax policies, all our legislative policies, through weaponization of government, we are consistently transferring money from the young to the old and not investing, yeah. making the same investments that uh, our parents made in us. Uh, so anyways, my, my lose okay. is continued uh, uh, generational inequality. I think my fail was this video of uh, the People's Convoy truckers, which has been a real bust, um, surrounding a Tesla and blocking him in and then j thinking it was hysterical. I was sort of like, you're really just an asshole. Like this isn't, but there's, but then someone wrote me, said there's so much rage that's been developing for decades among truckers who've had a hard life. I, I, I understood that, but on some level I was like, I, I don't care. That's mm -hmm. not how to win hearts and minds. You may have a lot of really reasonable, angry things to talk about. So do a lot of people, including black people, including gay people. Lots of people have uh, grievances, but surrounding a car of someone on a highway and then surrounding Terrorizing them with them? cell phones. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Like, what is wrong? You don't have an excuse. There's no, no matter how much anger you have, there's no excuse for that. Um, uh, a real fail, actually, many Apple services are suffering outages today, but so hmm. are some others. Uh, they're reporting that there's some problems at, um, it may not just be Apple. This might be something from Russia, PayPal. Hmm. AWS, I don't, I'm not saying it is, but there's a lot of spikes and outages. A Apple services include iCloud, uh, App Store, Siri, Find My, Apple Maps, Music, Podcasts. They're coming back online, but mm -hmm. it'd be interesting to find out why they went down and if it was more widespread. There's obviously going to be more attacks. It may not at all be an attack, but, uh, but if it is, we really have to be vigilant. Another win is the Russian cosmonauts who boarded the International Space Station wearing Ukrainian colors. Wasn't that wonderful? 
That was wonderful. That was a big moment. That was how you do a protest, you fucking truckers. They put on their suits. They put their lives at risk with, with their country. They just said nothing. They were classy. They made a protest. That's how you do protests. You know, that's how you do it. And they had something to, costly at them. It was quite something to see. I was, I was sort of like, I couldn't believe it. Um, that's happening all over Russia with lots of people who are doing, the, whether the woman in the line, there's people holding up signs. There's all kinds of protests that are brave and, and the way you protest in this, in this world. And I thought it was great. I thought that was great. I like your win. I, I agree with you. I, it seems yeah. obvious now, but that probably will be one of the iconic moments that yeah. endures. And there is something about space, or at least the notion of space, that creates more of a comedy of man. And I think they demonstrated yeah. that. Some people would argue it was political, and now we politicize the space station. But that was there's something about this traditional notion about the humanity. You know, you can't see borders from space and all that. Yeah. You're right. It was an iconic moment. And but they they did it with such a no noise, just a visual, and it was classy and and risky. Let me, I'm 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 hoping they're up there for a while. That's all I have to say that they don't have to come down. Anyway, um, we'll take a listener question in our next episode. This is a very full one. What do you want to know? Go to nymag.com/pivot to submit your question for us, or call eight five 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 one pivot. The link is also in our show notes. Okay, Scott, that's the show. My voice is almost dead, but we'll be back on Friday for more, and I hopefully I will be restored to my other power. That was a really lovely interview with Kelly. And again, we urge you to watch it, not just because Scott, there's a the character of Scott in it. It's a really good show. Um, we crashed, and because Scott's in it, obviously watch Thank it. Thank you, Kara. Anyway, Scott, read us out. Today's show was produced by Lara Naiman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie Intertot engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows and Neil Severio. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Poland, 1.8 million refugees that welcomed. Well done, and thank you. Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Whether you're exploring space, making pizza, or producing a podcast like this one here, chances are your team is marching into the AI-generated horizon. Atlassian Intelligence is unleashing a new era of teamwork. You can use Atlassian's AI-powered products for everything from brainstorming ideas to finding information to summarizing huge documents, all by using normal, everyday language. Atlassian AI-powered software like Jira and Confluence help teams accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how you can transform teamwork with the power of AI at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian.